I want to kind of jump off of that and talk about there's still room. Everybody say, there's still room. Look around. Anybody see an empty chair? A lot less today, which, by the way, thank you very much for showing up. This, this feels real good. I'm going to do backflips. No, I'm not because I'll hurt myself. But if I could do backflips, I would do backflips, okay? Um, but there's still room. There's still room. And we're going to talk about what that means and how that looks in our life, both in, uh, individually and as a church. Let me ask you a question. Anybody ever been excluded from something? Right? Any, a better question would be, has anybody not been excluded? Like, you're that popular that you've been to everything? Like, that's, you're awesome, high five, I want to be your friend, I guess. Um, but I feel like everybody's been excluded from something. Maybe it was a trip that you were supposed to go on, an event that everybody showed up to that you didn't. Uh, maybe, you know, whatever it was, you've been excluded. Or, or ever been told... Uh, I, I have this picture of teenagers for some reason, but, you know, uh, they're pulling up in a car, and they're like, I want to go, and they say, come on, jump in, there's still room, right? I won't tell you who, when, where, why, or even how old I was, but, like, listen, if there was trunk space, there was still room. Teenagers, that's a no. I'm just helping you out for, for, for lessons in life. Don't do that. I can honestly say that, sadly enough, I was an adult when I made that statement and did that to my brother-in-law. Made him ride in my trunk. Why? Because there was still room. <laughs> I was driving a little fire, <laughs> getting the trunk, and I had trunk space, and he had to get home. <laughs> getting the trunk, and I went on the freeway. Um, and so that's the good thing, okay? But there's, there's room. Think about how it makes you feel when you are excluded from something and when you are included for something. Like, being a part of a team or being a part of a group that goes and completes a mission or, you know, things like a brotherhood or a sisterhood. D down here, I found it's far more um, important. Out, out west, I just didn't see it as much. Uh, but down here in Arkansas, and I didn't even see it as much even growing up in Texas, but the, um, the fraternities and sororities, like, they're huge here. You know, they're big deal here. I, I work with people at the department that, you know, they still talk about stepping and all that. I'm like, you don't want to see this thing try to do any of that. Like, I look like a bird trying to flap away. You know what I mean? But that, that it's, it's amazing to me. Like, why? Because there's a brother and a sisterhood. There's a camaraderie that draws people together. Can I tell you that, that one of the things that the church has the biggest opportunity at Ever is drawing people together. It's what everybody's looking for. Why do you think gangs are so important? It's not because they're cool. It's because they're accepting. It's because they rep something. It's because for, for one, even if it's a moment in their life, they feel like kings and queens on their block. It's why we are all looking for to be a part of, so even the most introverted person who says, I don't need nobody. They'll say that out loud, but inside they're saying, I really want something to belong to. I don't want to be excluded. <laughs> Let me tell you about a, a, sometimes there's not room and you just make room. Now let me tell you about a sketchy moment in my life where we uh, made room. <laughs> it's not like, you would think that the car, the kid in the trunk would be bad. No, that's easy. That's child's play. When, when I was 18 years old, I served at a camp in the Bahamas uh, for two and a half months, and uh, we had a week in the middle of the summer where we had off. Now, I, uh, most of us didn't fly home because it's too expensive. And so we made plans to, we, we were on this tiny, when I say tiny island, I'm tiny island. It was one mile long by half mile wide. Okay, yeah. Like they had one officer and he rolled around in a golf cart. It was a dry island, and it was a rich island, okay? So the average male on that island, 18 years old, was making about $125,000 a year. Yeah, worked 23, 23 weeks a year, got 32 weeks off. I'm like, hey. Now listen, they had a hard job. They were lobster fishermen, but, and, and it was really cool. I got to see all that. That's a whole other story. But, um, but when I say rich, I mean like they didn't even know how to, like they couldn't spend their money fast enough. I mean, could you imagine being on a mile long, half mile wide? You've got four churches, one hotel, three restaurants, and a couple of stores, and then homes. And they had, like, cars. I'm like, what do you need a car for? So they could do laps. Listen, you, you want to talk about, you know, back in the day cruising? Like, that's what it was. They would, they would cruise. They would just they'd get in their cars, and they'd have their stereo systems, and, and they'd cruise. Around the, around the, and, and then they had pimped out golf carts. Like, pimped out golf, like, 
sick golf carts, big old tires, sound systems. One night we took the golf carts, we were driving around the island and we were doing like this massive, I mean, it was like a child's playground. We had water balloon fights on the island, like the whole island was our playground. Um, you're thinking, now how's that sketchy? Because during the week that we had off, we decided that where we were at, which was the northern part of the Bahamas, we were going to go to Nassau, which was about two hours by boat. Um, and so one of the fishermen said, hey, we'll take one of my boats. Now, you may be thinking, oh, cool, like you got to go on a big, no, we got on a ski boat in the Caribbean with 13 people and their luggage. You kind of see where, like, listen, we're getting on this boat and he's going, okay, nope, you sit there and you sit there and you sit there. Now, don't move. And I'm going, we're about to, like, embark on a, like, I really felt like Gilligan's Island for a minute. Like, we were going to, this was going to end really bad for us. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I remember, because if you've never been to the Caribbean, you can see straight down. You don't know if it's 60 feet, 150 feet, or 6 feet. And so we're sitting there, and I'm just watching. It's like, man, I want to kind of get up and walk around and see different things. But I know that if, if I move, I'm going to throw off the whole system of this boat, and we're all going down. And, and, and yet, I, there was 13 of us on this ski boat. I mean, literally, we were like laying. I remember I was at one point laying like this on the boat, looking over. Now, this is fun for like a minute. But when you like this for like 30 minutes, and then you're like, okay, how do I get more, uh, how do I get more comfortable without rocking the boat? Now, we had to get there, and then we had to do that all the way back. You know, it's, it's listen, even... Even then, I didn't want to be excluded from the fun. There's still room. Some of us need to maybe venture out today and go, you know what, it may be a little uncomfortable like that boat ride, but I'm ready to jump in because there's still room in God's kingdom for you. Now, let's talk about the story that I want to get to, okay? Uh, It's in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. And uh, here, here, uh, I love, let me tell you why I love Jesus, because he wasn't religious in the sense that he didn't just hang out with all the right people. Like, if I told you to start a church, what would you need? And most people, you know, without y'all trying to give me the holy answer, we'd be like, I need to get connected. Like, if you're going to start a business, you want to get connected to people that know about that business. Like, if I said you had the opportunity to sit with Steve Jobs when he was alive or sit with Brother Joe down the street who runs, you know, a, a grocery store, you're going to, you were to pick Steve Jobs. He's a little bit more successful, right? And so we want to, we want to tend to go towards the successes. And, and so as church, we'd be like, oh, I want to, I want to sit in the room with, with Stephen Furtick. And I want to sit in the room with uh, a, a Rick Warren and, and, or, or a Francis Chan or some of these amazing pastors that have impacted the world. You don't go, hey, I want to sit in the room with the small pastor in the small town and, and, and glean from him, although there's a lot of wisdom there. But we don't see it that way. And Jesus didn't go and sit with all of the uh, Pharisees, the religious leaders. I love this. Verse 1 in, in, in Luke 15. Tax collectors, who, by the way, were ridiculous sinners back then, and other notorious. So here's how you know that, that how bad tax collectors were. They were in a separate group other than other notorious sinners. Like, there was notorious sinners, and then there's tax collectors. <laughs> and some of you are thinking, there's not far off now, right? And if you work for the IRS, I'm sorry, you know, if you have to work with them, it's my bad. But, but there's tax collectors, and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus' teachings. I love that. And this made the religious folk mad. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Even eating with them. <sighs> Horrible. I'm sorry, but if I'm going to hang out with sinners, there better be food. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if a, if a group of sinners are getting together, there better be something good to eat. I'm just, if I was Jesus, that's how I'd roll. So Jesus told them a story. Here's Jesus. He's a great storyteller. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, will he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. 
In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. This was the scripture that me and Stephanie constantly went back to when we started Freedom Church. Because we don't want to be a church just full of social club. We don't want to be a church that goes, us four and no more. Uh, oh man, I don't want it to be messy. I, <laughs> I enjoy a messy church. Actually, um, we had, a, we had a, a missionary come and speak at our church in California. He came every year. His name is Brother Thomas Akute from Africa. And uh, we just remodeled the sanctuary, right? Just, I mean, like spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on it. And I loved it because he was there the very first Sunday that we really like prayed over it and all that. And his prayer was this, God, I pray that you fill this place that they have to redo it again. Like, I love that. I love the prayer that it isn't keep it pristine and clean and make it to where nobody wants to do anything and, and where the sinners and the messy people don't want to come. But God, I, I pray that we do so much in this building. We, we, we find the hurting to get them wholeness. We, we find those that are far from God and we bring them close to God and, and it's going to look and it's going to smell and it's going to be different than what we think it would be. But that's what Jesus' heart was and that's what Jesus led us to when we first started Freedom Church. Way before we even were here and, and when we were in California, God said, I want you to be about the one. Because the 99, they can take care of themselves. They're already solid. They're, 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 they're growing and they're learning and they're safe and they're protected. See, the main shepherd, when, when one would go away, they, he had helpers and they would stay with the 99. And they would go run off because it was his job as the shepherd to go find that one. You may say, what's one shep- What's one sheep? To that shepherd, it's the only thing he knows. He sleeps with them. Uh, that sounds wrong. Um, he sleeps out in the, uh, the field with them. Let's, let's bring that there. He, the shepherd was dirty. He was smelly. He was, he was not like, he was the guy that would walk in the store and people would be like, ooh, a shepherd. It was not a high-paying gig. It wasn't, it wasn't the one that everybody goes, Daddy, I hope when I grow up I'm a shepherd. It's like, oh, gosh, are you not smart? I mean, seriously, it was, it was, it was the one job that you, you very rarely came home. You, you had to tend to them. And so they became like a family. You protected them. So when Jesus tells this story, all the shepherds are like, yeah, that's what we do. We go after the one. We go after the one that says they don't, they don't need God. We go after the one that's addicted to things. We go after the one that says that they don't need their marriage to be whole. I'm done with it. I'm sick of it. They, we go after the one that is depressed and hurting, the one that needs wholeness and healing, the one that says they don't need Jesus but needs to see Jesus real. We go after the one. That's what this story and that's what Freedom Church is all about. When I think about how can I describe Freedom Church to anybody is I want people that run together, that when they see the one hurting, we go after the one hurting. So I do have four thoughts, and the first one I just, I've just literally just preached, it's for the one. Man, if I could simplify our purpose is this. If, if, if somebody ever said, what is Freedom Church about? We're for the one. The one what? The one that needs Jesus. We're for, we're for your best friend who, who maybe walked through some really hurting times and maybe went to church and knows about God but hasn't had a relationship with them in a while. We're for that one. We're for your friend that says, you know what, I can't walk into church because it may. Anybody ever heard that? I can't walk into church. It will burn down if I walk in. I've had that said to me a few times. And I, you know what I, I, my thought is? Well, then let the church burn. I'll have church in a parking lot. If it means that you'll come to Jesus, if it means that you'll see that you're, you're, you're not as bad as you think you are because we're all sinners saved by grace, we are called to do the same thing that he does. The Bible says that. Jesus actually says this, greater things you will do than I did because there's more of you. Think about it. There was one Jesus, and although y'all may sit there and have the argument that he was God, okay, touche. He said greater things because there's greater of us. Literally, the word Christian means little Christ. That's what that means. So, so when, 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 he, when he says you're a Christian, He's saying, you are the literal little Christ running around Camden making my name known. You know, that wasn't actually a, a good name. <laughs> that was actually a, a, a derogatory word uh, back in the day. That's the only way they could describe, the, oh, you're the little Christ, Christians. 
Before that, they were actually called the way. Oh, you're part of the way. And ever, ever, you know, little Jesus fish that people like on their car, that was actually one of the ways that they would tell each other in secret that they were a part of the church, the way. That they would draw half the fish and then the other half. I don't know if that's real. I didn't live back then, but that's the story I've been told. It sounds good. We're to carry little bits of Jesus everywhere we go for the one. So, so we're not a social club. I'm going to give you an illustration. This is about as janky of an illustration. I'm sorry for those that are watching at home. You can hear my voice. You can't see me right now. Uh, Lord Jesus. Hoo-wee. This is how we want to be Christians. Right? The Bible says, oh, I'm in it, but not of it. So we run around and we just start attacking people with the word of God. Oh, I don't want you in my bubble. I can't get dirty. And so we create a barrier. I've got my barrier around and I'm going to go in the world and I'm going to save it for the love of Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to, this, this, this could get dangerous. Okay. I could use this as a weapon. I'm just going to, I'm going to ram you with the word of God. He's like, I'm going to burst your bubble. But, but think about it. I mean, if we could see what it looks like to the world, this is what it looks like. I want to give you Jesus, but I want nothing of you. I want to tell you all about my God, but don't tell me about you. I don't, your sin is, oh, I'm clean. I'm saved by grace. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I ate with the sinners. I went to the prostitute's house. I, 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 I went where nobody else would go because that's the only place they know. Now, I'm going to say this with a caveat, is that, is that we don't go places just because, oh, I want to be different. But we don't run around with this bubble wrapped around us going, I'm going to go give the love of Christ to everybody I know, and I'm going to run them over with it. Because that's not going to win people to Jesus. You know, as a shepherd, you don't find the sheep by, by protecting yourself and trying to find him. You, you go where the wolf is. The wolf is hunting that sheep, and you have to go with the slingshot or, or the rock or, or the sword. Or the, you got to go ready and prepared, but you cannot. And this is the problem is that people look at the church, and they go, I want nothing to do with the church because all you want to do is run me over with your, with your word of God and, and, and your greater than me attitude. And when we strip away this idea that it, I'm not better than you, and we take the little, little bubble off as I get attacked by it, I've already broke it. I broke my bubble. When we take that off and we just present ourselves to the one, it's amazing what happens. People go, oh, you're not much different than me. You know, people don't walk around going, well, you know, you don't cuss. It's just kind of a given. I don't cuss. Now, do I walk around going, hi, I'm Scott. I'm better than you because I don't cuss. No, no, (laughs) that's stupid. Hi, I, I'm Scott, and I've never been drunk. Hi, I'm, I, there's a laundry list of things. I'm a good kid, I know. But there's a lot of wrong in me. See, on the outside, it, and I used to tell this all the time, on the outside, it would look really good. Never been drunk, never been high, never had sex before marriage. Straight A student, right? Like, oh, you're just a goody-goody. And yet the Bible says that my heart was wicked, because I wasn't close to Jesus. Because I failed in other ways that maybe nobody else cared about. And so when I put my little bubble wrap on and go, oh, look at how good I am. The rest of the world goes, you're just faking it. And I'm telling you, if we want to see God do a mighty move in our lives and in our friend groups and our families, we have to get out of that bubble and we have to meet them where they're at. And we have to live for the one. We have to stop being a social club on a national level. And we have to run for the ones that are hurting. It is the Jesus model of behavior. We're for the one. The second thing is this. And this is the title of my message. There's still room. Y'all, can I tell you this? When God decides to fill this room up, we'll empty it and we'll fill it again. And if that's not good enough, we'll, we'll, I've already gotten permission when we, when we lease this building, I, I can tear down walls. I built walls, so why can't we tear down walls? I, I had a conversation with Ken Blackman, who, who owns this building. I said, Ken, what if this room gets too small? He goes, and we'll figure it out. So, okay. 
We'll figure it out. There's still room. I believe that God has called us here not to to build a a mega church and make my name known, but to make Jesus' name known. And whoever shows up, that's for God to figure out. In Luke 14, Jesus tells another story. It says, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, and Jesus had just been talking about a banquet in heaven. Amen. See, even Jesus knows if you want people in heaven, there's got to be a banquet. Jesus said, you're going to get to heaven and we're going to eat. We, listen, you cannot love Jesus and not love food. I'm just telling you, like, vegans are going to be very sad. If you're a vegan in this room, I'm sorry. Like, you're going to get up to heaven and go, I should have been eating better in earth because heaven's going to be amazing. He said, there's a banquet. And this, this man says, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen. I bet you've gotten that excuse uh, when you invite people to church. I just bought five oxen. I'm sorry, I can't go to church. Me too, I know. And I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come. So that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. Let me tell you what that story means. Is that the people that you think that that would be in church are going to be exactly the opposite of what church should look like. We've got to look, right? Clean cut. Got to have it all together. I mean, I'll be honest. I know that I don't look like a pastor. I kind of wear that with a badge of honor, by the way. I don't, and, and, and no hate on pastors that dress up and, 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 and look, it's just not me. And I'm never going to get up on this stage and be anything other than me because I don't know any other way to be. If somebody said, well, in order to be a pastor, you have to dress up, wear a three-piece suit every Sunday, I'd be like, I'm out. I'll, I'll go win people for Jesus out on the streets if that's what it means. But this is my calling, and so I'm not going to fake for you guys and, and, and say, well, this is what Christianity looks like. No, this is, this is who I am. This is how you get me. Because maybe, just maybe, by looking this way, somebody will go, wait a minute, there's a, now listen, I didn't get tattoos for people to go, oh, well, if a pastor has tattoos, I'll go to church. No, no, no. I got tattoos because after a while, I decided I wanted one, and I could live with it for the rest of my life. (laughs) If you can't live with something on your body for the rest of your life, don't get it put on you, okay? We won't get into the theology of that yet, because I've been told I'm going to hell for tattoos. I'm just letting you know. Um, Actually, people concerned for my soul. Um, and so, but here's the thing, is, is everybody, that, everybody that he invited, all of his friends, all the people that he thought would want to come to the banquet, they didn't want to come. And so what does he say? He goes, go and get everybody else and bring them to a free food. And when they did, their servant said, hey, there's still more room. And he says, then go out and get whoever you can that will come with you. Can I tell you today, Freedom Church, that that's the goal? I don't care who they are. I don't, listen, it, I always say, Sean, you are, you are the answer to prayer. He's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> listen, I've been preaching for well over 15 years. If a man walks in with a purple mohawk, it was green or blue, but it still was a blue mohawk. Sean, listen, and, and, and I don't mean this in a, in a but... A lot of churches, and I'm not saying churches in camp, I'm just saying a lot of churches in general would look at Sean and go, mm, no, no. And I'm sure if you talk to Sean, he would tell you that. that. That just by his look, he's probably been called demonic. How could somebody that looks like him love God? Show up on Thursdays when him and Craig talk about Jesus to our teenagers, you'll find out. Just have a a five-minute conversation with him. You'll find out about how much he loves God and how much he loves being a husband and and being a father. And and I've actually been told here in Camden, you know, people that have watched our live stream said, who's the guy in the back? (laughs) 
mohawk and plays guitar. I've actually had a pastor tell me, you're brave. How am I brave? I'm not John. If bravery is saying you've got a skill and a talent and you want to use it for the glory of God and you want to stand up here and worship God, well, heck, if that's brave, then we're missing the point. That's not brave. That's being Christian. That's loving God and saying, what can you do for the glory of God? Who cares what you look like? If you had to look like me, we'd all be messed up. Bald-headed beard people. (laughs) Amen to my bald-headed beard people. One day you'll be there too. If they all had to look like you, act like you, talk like you, smell like you, be, be, listen, I think the reason why we miss out on so much great things inside the church building is because we're looking for something that Jesus never intended us to look for. Man, I want the white collar buttoned up, three-piece suit person as much as I want the person who comes in that smells like garbage because they live on the street. And if we can't make room for them, God will never give us a place for anybody else. He's looking for a church that will love people where they're at, not where they could be, not their possibility, not not where God has called them to, but where they started at. Because some of you sitting in this room, you started at a deep, dark place, even just three years ago. That if you got up and told your testimony of of where you were three years ago or two years ago or a year ago when you found, not not me, not me, I had nothing to do with it. I just am a vessel willing to be used by God that was willing to be crazy enough to go from California to Camden and say, okay, God, there must be people there that need to hear the glory of your goodness. And, And by doing that, open up an avenue so that you could see Jesus in a new way. And that's what we want to bring to the streets. That's what we want to bring to your friend group and your family. We got to build the kingdom. We got to build his church and we've got to go get him. So how do we do that? How do we do that is my last two points. We got to be devoted disciples. And that sounds so like powerful or just means that you're willing to follow Jesus. (laughs) Like we can make it sound really holy. You got to be sanctified believers, bought by the blood, dipped in the Holy Ghost. What? I think sometimes we scare people by what we say. I've been bought by the blood of the lamb. I'm not going to church with you. (laughs) To heck with that. What are y'all doing? Like there are a lot of things that Christians say that make people go, that's a cult. That's not church. And we think that we're being powerful and holy and God's like, no, you're scaring people away. We got to be devoted disciples. Listen, so that beautiful story of the banquet, let's see how Jesus ends this conversation. Verses 25 through 28 says this. Look, he says, a large crowd. So Jesus is talking about this banquet. He's like, oh yeah, let's eat. And then Jesus says, a large crowd was following Jesus and he turned around and then he opened his mouth and ran people off. Because this is what he said. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, just even your own life. Remember, these are people just meeting Jesus. Hi, my name is Jesus. If you don't love me greater than everybody, it sounds so narcissistic. If your love for me doesn't look like hate to everybody else, you can't be my disciple. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Now, you may look at this set of scriptures and it gets really confusing to people. Like, why would Jesus say that that compared to everything else, that the love for him would look like hate to everybody else? Is because literally... When you think about God's goodness, when you think about what you're saved from, when you think about who you could be without him, doesn't he deserve that kind of love? Look, my mom and dad are here in the room, and I can easily say standing in this room that they have not done as much for me as Jesus ever did, and I think that they would agree. I hope they would agree. (laughs) May never be invited over for dinner again. Why? Because, listen, as good as somebody is to you, 
Or as the old saying was said, at least when I was growing up, I brought you into this life, I could take you out. They still can't get, stop me from getting to heaven. And they can't get me there either. No matter how much you love somebody, they cannot change your eternity. Only Jesus can. And so he says, if that isn't good enough, then there's nothing I can say or do that will make you want to follow me anymore. Now, I want you to understand what he said here. He said, you need to take up your cross daily. That sounds so cute, doesn't it? I mean, on this side of life, because we already know what Jesus did for us. We celebrate Easter. He went to the cross. Amen, right? They didn't know what that meant. It would be like somebody walking in and saying, take up your electric chair and walk with me. Crazy. That's what he was saying. It was the worst form of capital punishment known to hang on a cross. And he said, you need to take up your cross daily. And they're like, wait a minute, murderers and, 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 and rapists and, 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 and thieves, they go to the cross. Not, I'm a good guy. I'm like, no, you're not. You need, to, you need to die to self daily. You need, you need to let go of the things that are holding you back and trust Jesus with your life. This is what Jesus was saying, that you need to count the cost and follow me. Now, I want you to, I want you to follow me here, okay? Just, just track with me here for a minute. Super Bowl Sunday, right? I want you to see some devoted fans. Go ahead, put, put, put those pictures up. Hey, there's a, look, <laughs> he's like, Ravens. Let's stop, stop right there. Hold, what in the world? Either that is really awesome makeup or why would you want to wear a mask all game? Go ahead. I think the, we're going to pause it. We're just going to keep it on that one. We're going to keep it on that one. Now, listen, I could preach no more and just show this picture. And this says enough of what I want to say. That people are willing to literally sit in feet of snow to watch a game that has nothing to do with life change. And I'm going to step on some toes here. But it gets below 28 degrees or 32 or 55 or 74 degrees. And all of a sudden, oh, I can't get out of bed today. Oh, Jesus. Oh, it's so cold outside. Oh. The very first time it was rainy and cold in Camden and we had church, man, I was like, oh, it's church, it's Sunday, we're having a good time, oh, yay. And then, like, get closer to 10, and I'm like, where is everybody? And I, it may have even been you. <laughs> Dan remembers this Sunday. And she's like, nah, it's Camden. Ain't nobody leaving their house. <laughs> what? Y'all, that picture... That picture preaches my message. If we want to see the power of God, if we want to see God move in our lives, and we've got to realize, now go back. I want, I want, I want, I'm going to linger. I know, the people, I, I know the people online are probably sick of seeing their faces. I'm sorry, people online. Listen, listen, look, look, look. If it gets too warm in this building, I hear about it afterwards. I said curl your feet in, Okay. Just going to preach in for a minute. If it gets too cold in here, I hear about it afterwards. And I'm okay with that. Listen to me. I, listen, I don't know what perfect temperature is. I can't trust half of y'all with that. Some of you are always too cold. Some of you are always too hot. For some of you, it'd be 20 degrees in here. You'd be happy as a clam. For some of you, it could be 105. And you'd be like, hey, it's the beach. These people are literally having feet of snow dumped on them. Like, look, that dude has been sitting there collecting snow. <laughs> he is just happy as all get out. Yay, pills. They stink. Well, they don't stink now. They did back then. For a, for a crappy team, they will sit in snow and cheer on their team. But if I go 10 more minutes, I might get tomatoes thrown at me. If it's too hot or too cold outside or inside, we may not have church. If it looks like snow, Lord, help us get your bread and milk. Listen, yeah, you can go ahead and change it. I'm sorry, people online. Listen, I, I, I say this, it's, it has nothing to do with church and everything to do with how we see Jesus. We will follow a team and it can change everything about us. 
whether it's baseball, football, basketball, I don't chess, I don't care who it is. Some of you golfers, like, you know every golfer, and if they have a bad day, you have a bad day. We're, we're, we're built that way. To, 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 to follow people and, and to invest our lives into that. And Jesus says the biggest investment you could ever make is to be my disciple. Because it's the only thing that will be life-changing forever. Like whether my team has five Super Bowl wins, which they do, will not get people to heaven. Like I'm not going to get to heaven and people go, oh, you're a Cowboys fan. It got me to heaven. Woo, we won five Super Bowls. No. But I make it up to heaven and they go, you know, when you preach that message about being a devoted follower, it changed me. Because of you, I'm here. You know, because you, you, you know, at work, because you showed God's love even on your worst day, Five years later, I went to church and it changed my life. So we don't know about what the seed will do and how it will be planted. You walked into a house where, where you're a tradesman and, and you know what? Even on the, on the worst day, you, they, they, they saw something inside of you. You walked into the store and you smiled or you held the door open. You never know that little thing that might cause somebody to say, what is in them that's different than everybody else? That seed See, those, those fans, they don't care if they look foolish, crazy, act a fool. They don't care what the weather looks like or if anybody else will be with them. They are sold out for their team. So my question is, what about Jesus? It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a great day. It doesn't mean that every day is going to be rainbows and cupcakes, although today it will be literally cupcakes. What it means is that no matter what, I'm, I'm all in. I'm willing to, to, to be devoted to Jesus and to do everything that I can to, to, to be the best version of myself for him. Even if that means my life. I think a lot of us will be really, if we're, if we're here when the end comes, don't let your little brains go on a tangent. The Bible says that some will literally lose their heads. But that's part of the end time that you will literally have to count the cost for your life. And whether that's today, tomorrow, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, somebody will be following Jesus at that time and will have to make a decision, am I going to cave for the pool of popularity and so that everybody else is okay? Or will I literally give my life for the cause of Christ? I think one of the biggest hurts of American church or Western civilization is that we are really comfortable and we don't have to make those decisions. Yo, I got a Bible here. I got like three at home. I've got more books than I can read. I've got comfortable paycheck. I've got a house and cars and all these things. And so if my life is on the line, can I really sit there and say, I will die for the cause of Christ? What about my wife and kids? Will it mean more for them to see me stand for my faith and lose my life or lose my backbone and not stand for my God? Will we count the cost? Maybe that means losing your job. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying sometimes that happens. Maybe that means losing friends. That's a reality. I lost all my friends when I came to know Jesus. The Bible says that we are to study to show ourselves to be, to be connected to Jesus and to learn his ways. A disciple learns from the source and our source is Jesus. The last thought is this. Once we are a devoted follower, we have to realize this is that it's in then through. We like the outward. We do. Let's be real. Nobody, okay, there's a few of you that may enjoy working out. You're crazy, and there's something wrong in your head. I'm, I just, l listen, I'm not a counselor nor a doctor, but I can describe there's, there's some things not connecting. For the rest of us, we work out so we can eat more. Or we work out because we like the byproduct of working out. I hate working out. There's nothing about working out that makes me wake up and go, ooh, let's go lift weights or run or do the little heavy ropes. No, nothing, nothing seems, that's stupid. Like, if my heavy ropes were attached with Oreos feeding into my mouth, I'd be excited. Okay? But can I tell you how many enjoy when you hit the weight, or when you, when you do all of that and then you hit the scale and the scale moves? Or the jeans fit a little differently. Amen. The guys are like, I don't care about the jeans. Liar. 
When nobody else is looking, they're like, hey. When that shirt starts to either give more room or feel more snug, depending on what you're looking for. We like it. We don't like the discipline of having to get up and eat differently. Like, no. Kale is for, I don't know, anything on four legs and, and mooing or something. I don't know. Kale should not be something that we ingest into our body. That's nasty. I mean, think about it. In order to eat kale, they hide it with like strawberries and bananas and put it in a blender. Like, eat something healthy. Make sure that you hide the flavor. Give me a ding dong. I want Little Debbie ice cream. That's what I want. Anybody tried that yet? Okay, we need to find it. We need to try it. Little Debbie ice cream. I need some Swiss cake ice cream, okay? Here's my point. It's sometimes we don't do the thing because we enjoy it, but we love the byproduct. We love what it does. We love how it makes us feel. And so, listen, there's thing about being a Christian that we can't enjoy the byproduct until it is a part of who we are. Philippians 2, 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. In other words, God is doing in you so that you can also give it out. But you can't give out what you don't have in you. If I said, go to your bank and pull out a million dollars, Let's do a roll. How many can do it? I'm just playing. <laughs> Most of us would go, uh, it's, it's not in there. If not all of us. Maybe you're at home. You've got that. You can make that check payable to Scott Bodenhammer. <laughs> Most of us would be like, I could do it, but it's going to be sufficiently with, over withdrawn. The bank's going to call me. I can write you the check. I can't cash it. And so many times in our walk, we go to the well of Jesus, but we can't cash it because we haven't built it in us. But can I tell you, that's why we do life groups. Craig talked about it on the announcements. That's why life groups are so important. We got some really great life groups coming. Most of them are, are, are and I told you, we're going to go a little deep this year. They're study-based because I want us to be able to give out to Camden what's inside of us which means we need to go a little deep. We can't give out what we don't have in. We battle with the outer while God wants to first deal with the inward. We can't do what we want, what we haven't allowed God to do first. How can we treat people differently when we haven't dealt with the issues inside? How can I love people if I don't love myself? I mean, so that sounds arrogant. No, that sounds biblical. And I've told you over and over again, the greatest commandment, Jesus says, love God with all of your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and all your soul. The second is like it, to love people like you love yourself. You can't love people from a well that you can't pull from. How, how, can, how, how can I give out? How can I, how can I help people find healing if I haven't found healing? How can I find, help people find wholeness if I'm not whole myself or I'm not on the path ahead of them? How can I help people in relationships if I myself constantly sabotage and hurt relationships? How can I help people find a positive things in life when all I ever do is go back to the negative? We've got to let Jesus work in us so that he can work through us. We exist to point people to Jesus. Can we all say amen to that? Amen. To help them know God. These are, these are the four things that we stand by. To know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. That, listen, I don't want church to be overcomplicated. It's real simple. We do church well. I think we do pretty good. We're looking to continually make it better. Some of you are going to have to get involved. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So glad that you agree. You need to find freedom. That's what our life groups are about. Can I tell you this? Uh, uh, I, I think you're still doing Bibles and Brews. I don't know. I put you on the website. Uh, so I guess you are. We're, we got Bibles and Brews. Oh, Jesus, we're going to have the Bible study at the brewery. Absolutely. Amen. Okay, let's get over that. Ladies, we're going to have a Tuesday night group that's going to meet at our house with my wife. She's going to be talking about desiring to hear the voice of God. Somebody should get excited about hearing the voice of God in their life. Men, while they're doing that, you don't get to scapegoat, sit at home, eat your pizza, watch your shows. Okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't, no, you're going to come to the house as well. We're going to go hang out in the garage. We're going to do manly stuff. Man stuff. <laughs> what, maybe watch a little Tim Allen. I don't know. We're <laughs> Actually, I've got, a, I've got a really, uh, uh, a study. Now listen, you maybe go, oh, you lost me at study. We're going to do it to where you enjoy it. 
But we're going to, we're, we're, men, far too often in church, we've given you the out like you're some five-year-old that can't comprehend Jesus. Enough of that. We're not going to sit around and wipe each other's tears and watch each other cry, although that may happen every now and then. We're going to have fun doing it. Guys, they, listen, the Bible says you are the head of your household and the spiritual leader. And I don't want to sound sexist for a minute, but we need to start, stop giving that freely over to women and saying, well, you know, I'll just sit here and do whatever you want me to do. I'm the head of my household. Now, that doesn't mean I go, woman, make me a sandwich. That'll get me killed. <laughs> Men, if there's anything I've learned is that that doesn't work too well. Unless you've already done some stuff and you've got some, you know, deposit into the bank of, hey, baby, make me a sandwich, don't go ask for that sandwich. But that does mean that you need to stand up and you need to do some stuff spiritually. When's the last time you prayed for your wife? I know. I get it. I haven't done it either lately. Man, we need to step up. I think the biggest thing that the enemy has said is he's taken our man card because we like it in sports and we like it in boxing. We'll hit stuff and we'll cuss at things and we'll get mad. But when the, when the, the word says that one of the most important things we can do is pray with, well, oh, that sounds so too sentimental. Pray with. Do devotions with. Men, join me on Tuesday night. My wife's going to do a walking group. And then we're going to do a prayer walking group one on the third Saturday of every month where we meet downtown and we pray for the city of Camden. I feel like there's something. Oh, you couples out there. I've been, I've been asked and asked and asked for uh, couples. We're going to do a study called Marriage on the Rock. Not Marriage on the Rocks, okay? <laughs> Maybe that's why you come to Marriage on the Rock, but <laughs> it's an awesome study about what a godly relationship looks like. So those are our small groups this year. And we're going to build inward so that we can give outward. Listen, can I just say this? The best is yet to come. Go ahead, Therese. The best is yet to come. If you stick around in freedom, you're going to, you're going to find out. The best is yet Listen, we just, listen, we're just scratching the surface of what Jesus wants to do here in Camden. And you get to be a part of it. Like, there's nothing cooler about that. Like, I get to run with some people that I absolutely love to run with. I get to do life with some of the most amazing people. And some of you are sitting home because I know some of you are sick. And, you know, but, oh, man, I, no, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to shut up and I'd lose people before they started coming. Can I just say, I'm so sick of, like, missing people. Like, I get it if you're sick and at home and you're watching. That's what we have this for. If not, we want to see your face. We want to build community with you. I don't want to just see you for an hour and a half on Sunday. I want to do life with you. I want to see you out and about and I want to go to lunch with you and vacation with you. <laughs> Who wants to take me on vacation? <laughs> I'm joking, but not joking. Like, don't, I'm, not, I'm joking about you taking me on vacation. I want, to, I want to go camping. Sounds so spiritual, Pastor Scott. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I want to get around a fire and I want to get to know you. That's what the church did so well. When you read the book of Acts and it says that, that they added to their church da daily, daily. That means they saw each other daily. The art of busyness is the biggest stealer of God's purpose in our life. Pastor, I'm too busy. Too busy to stop and just have do life together? Like, I'm not even asking for a heart. I'm not saying, like, let's get, let's get together on Tuesday and build a house. Like, I'm not even saying that. Like, we're, this is not missionary trip. I'm just saying, like, come to my garage and hang out with me. I need friends. It's the coolest part about pastors. I can, like, I can beg you to be my friend. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I, need, I need friends. So, some of you are like, I just need to become a pastor. That's how I get friends. Yes, because I can grab a mic and say, hang out with me. Hang out with each other. Look, even if you don't love me, hang out with each other. That's what community is. 
That's what freedom is. And you know what's funny along the way is as we do this together, we're gonna find ourselves going deeper in God and finding freedom in our lives. Some of you already have. I'm excited about where God's gonna take us. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we're just getting started. I know it because you put it inside of me. God, I know where we're going. I don't know how it looks. I don't know when it's gonna, when, when we'll see some of those things that you have shown me, but God, I know that I know that I know that nobody, listen, nobody showed up tomorrow, we'd start the church over again. Nobody showed up to life groups, I'd keep plugging away. Not because I'm special, but because of what you have put inside of me. But here's the coolest part. I know you've put it in other people here. People that have told me, I'm, we're in it. We're in it to win it. We're, we're, listen, if the, if the ship goes down, we're going down with it. But we know that the ship isn't going down because, Jesus, you have called us to reach Camden. You have called us to, for a purpose, a design purpose to show people how to find freedom in you, Jesus. So, God, as we celebrate our third birthday today, I pray that you would just send boldness through this room and encourage people to hold on. Even, even on their worst day, you are doing a work in them. God, do in us first before we could do it out. And so, God, if this is a year of doing inward work, then, God, work in us so that as we give out, we've got something to pull from. God, that as we reach the teenagers on Thursday, that, God, that, that our, our leaders would have something to pull from to show them God's love and that, that living for Jesus does make a difference. That as we do life groups and as we do serve days, that we are steadily showing our community that it's not about what you can give us, but what we can give you, Jesus. So I pray blessing over our people. God, let the rest of this afternoon as we enjoy a little lunch and a little hanging out before we go our separate ways, God, let us have fun. I bless you, Jesus, and I bless our people, and I pray, God, if there's anybody here that needs your touch, God, I pray that as they seek you, they will find you and their answers. Father, we love you. You know, and I'd be amiss to ask this one simple question on our birthday. Maybe you're sitting here, and, and, and I've talked about this Jesus and this relationship with him, and you're saying, I don't really have that. Is there anybody here that would raise their hand and with nobody else looking around just saying, you know what, I want to I start a real relationship with Jesus today. Maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe you need to just start afresh and anew today, and you're, and you're feeling that in your spirit. If you would just raise your hand, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. Amen, amen, amen. Ooh, hands literally everywhere. God, I'm not even making that up. Let me pray for you. For those that raise their hand, Jesus, I pray that you would fill them anew. Wipe their slate clean. Like Jesus, that you would say, I serve you because you love me. I follow you because you forgave my sins. And so, God, I pray your healing hand upon those that have raised their hand and said, I just need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And we celebrate today, God, your goodness and your glory. And we start year four today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 